Seamus, The Case of the Oily Preacher, Part 6, Who's Bitey Now, is inspired by the pulp fiction story Nick Carter Strikes Oil, author unknown. Mr. Strike, I'm going to have to take you into custody. What? Why? I didn't do anything wrong. And we believe that but we think someone is trying to frame you for the murder of Pastor Lowe. Plus, someone from within my department is working with Bigelow. If they think we're busy with you, hopefully they'll do something stupid and we can nab them. You won't be booked and I'll have you home tomorrow. The strikes looked at each other in the unspoken language only two people who know each other well can understand. They agreed to the scheme. Pat and I stepped outside into the cool mountain air to give the strikes a moment. Pat called a friend of his over at Highway Patrol. She explained the situation and they sent a couple guys to watch the strike place and give us a ride back. So, you have friends around here that can give us a ride? Yeah, uh, wish I had thought about that sooner. It probably would have saved me at least five new scars. Hey, people pay good money to come out here and hike the mountains, be close to nature, experience the wildlife. <laughs> That's one thing I always liked about Pat. She has a way of finding the bright side of things. The red-headed kid had been replaced at the desk by a young woman with her hair slicked back in a tight bun. Strike, Pat and I made an odd picture with snazzy t-shirts and fresh wounds. Chief, are you all right? I'm still captain until the ceremony, Mailer. Yes, ma'am. Um, there's a man here to see you. He says he has something of interest in the low case, but he'll only talk to the big boss. I don't trust regular cops. Ugh. He's over there. Pat pulled the officer aside and explained that she didn't want strike booked, only put into holding, comfortable and away from Jen Pop. I gave him a nod of reassurance as the strike was led away. Pat walked over to a skinny kid with wild hair sticking up everywhere. I waited for Pat by the desk and saw Jack Macon heading towards me. Nice shirt, James. Thanks. You working the double? Nah, my replacement's just late. Something about car trouble. <laughs> yeah, that happens. So you guys think Strike killed the preacher? I'm not here to think, Macon. I'm on vacation. Right. Oop. There's my guy. See you around, James. Not if I can avoid it. Hunter, come here. We got something. Miss Cross, this is Special Investigator Hunter James. Hunter... This is Corey Cross. She's a YouTuber. Is he cool? No, but you can talk in front of him. Nice to meet you. See? Miss Cross makes videos to post online for a living. That's a job? Dude sounds like my mom. Stop making videos and get a job. This is my job, ma. Anyway... We were filming in the building across the street from that hotel where your guy went out the window. We caught something in the background of one of our shots. I saw it today when I was editing. The kid holds up a tablet and hits play on the video. Thankfully muted, you can see her talk in the foreground. 
Right behind her is a window facing Pastolo's balcony. About twenty seconds in, the double doors open, and Pastolo is bum-rushed out and over the balcony's edge by two men in white cowboy hats. You would miss it if you didn't know what you were seeing. The balcony showed up at the edge of the shot, and Corey dominated most of the screen. The thugs duck back into the room and are gone before Lowe or the cameraman knows what is happening. Does that video have a timestamp? Um, yeah, 3.35. Thank you, Miss Cross. Yeah, sure. Uh, my tablet? I'm going to have to enter that into evidence. We'll get it back to you as soon as we can. My mom's going to be mad. You just saved an innocent man from going to prison. Tell your mom that. The kid grumbled something on the way out. I didn't hear her because Pat's cell rang. Yeah? Are you sure? Got it. Keep an eye on him. We'll be there ASAP. What's going on? That was Highway. Bigelow was just spotted out at Strikes Ranch. What's he doing? They said it looks like he's trying to move the boundary markers. I'm going to ask him. I can't take you with me, Hunter. You're not technically a cop anymore and... I've had enough mountain air for one night. I think I'll catch up with Wings. Call me as soon as it's done. Let me know how it goes. I think I'll follow up with the guys in the white hats. Deal. Man, it's already 3 a.m. Bigelow's gonna screw us, dude. I just know it. He has till six. Relax and drink your beer, Billy. Yeah, he's using that time to run. I'm telling you, man. Oh, man. What is it now? Bigelow got pinched out at Strike's place. See? I knew we were gonna get screwed. I told you, man. I bet he's gonna rat us out, too. Maybe not. It says it's from Bigelow's connection, the cop. Meet me at 8th and Andrews, alley behind the storage place. The drop will be in a red bag inside the green dumpster. Great. Finally. At least we're getting paid. You know, you gotta appreciate an honest, dirty cop. Do you think about things before you say them? Not generally, no. How's that working out for you? (laughs) Kind of depends on the day. Let's just go. I don't see a bag in here, Glenn. Keep looking. This is the only green dumpster in this alley. Hey, you want to go dumpster diving and take a look for yourself? I hear somebody. What is it? Nothing, just some drunk. Find the bag. I'm trying. It really stinks in here, man. Maybe we got here before he did. Nope, you're right on time. I stood up fast from behind the dumpster and slammed the lid on Billy's head. A muffled groan said he was alive. I hard-punched the the guy, (gasps) knocking the wind out of him. He stumbled back but didn't fall. That's for Pat's car. He swung at me wildly as he gasped for air. I grabbed the back of his shirt and slammed him into the dumpster. That's for Pat. I bent over the guy to secure his hands when dumpster diver Billy sprung out and landed on my back. 
The impact knocks me to the ground, scraping my chin on the pavement. I grab blindly and catch the guy's arm just above the wrist. Rolling over, I catch the glint of moonlight reflecting off of a silver hand cannon he had pointed at me. Wings runs up and shoves the guy hard. Wings trips over him, falling behind the dumpster. Billy loses balance and falls forward, dropping his gun. It hits the ground and slides as we both dive for it. He gets his hand on it first, but I'm right on top of him. I hold onto his hands as he tries to turn the gun towards me. I press down his face with my other hand. Ah! The bullet missed me by a mile, but the guy's teeth sank into the meat of my hand like it was a seared steak with butter. I wrench my hand out of his mouth and punch him in the face. Old Billy Boy's head rocked back, hit the pavement, and was down for the count. Wings is silhouetted in front of me as red and blue lights flash on behind me. Patsy runs towards us. Hunter! I'm all right. Pat shines a light on the two guys, and we finally get a good look at them. Is that? Billy Cowan and Glenn Stout. Didn't we arrest you once? Oh, yeah. I know we put you in prison. What you doing here? We're out. Oh, close. You were out. Are you sure you're all right? I might need a rabies shot, but yeah. I heard you scream and I thought he had shot you. Actually, he bit me. Did you scream like that with the raccoons? Ooh. I don't know what hurts more, the bite or that comment. Well, this is going to be awkward. What is? Watching you apologize to all those raccoons when we get home. Who's biting now? I'm going to leave you here. Fine, but people are going to talk to you on the plane. Never mind. (laughs) I am so glad you came to visit. Me too. Pat's promotion and the party went off without a hitch. We had a great time and made the empty promises friends make that we'll get together again soon. A couple weeks later and I have a letter in my mailbox from Pat with a newspaper clipping in a smaller envelope. When Pat arrived at Strike's place to net Bigelow, she ran into his partner. Jack Macon was found with a shovel and Bigelow trying to move the property line markers. Turns out Bigelow was both right and wrong about the Strike's ranch. There was oil under it, but only half. He had bought the wrong half. He had altered the deeds and had make and slip the changes into the land office, which was housed in the same building as the station. They'd moved the markers enough to build a line to go under the house and consequently right through the strike's water source. How'd making get mixed up in all this? When Pat filed her complaint, it opened up a can of worms. Jack had been one of those worms. He thought the reason Pat was always advancing and he lagged behind was because she had to be sleeping her way to the top and had nothing to do with his repeated write-ups. His record didn't transfer. Pat didn't know. When she was announced as the next chief, he lost it, made a crooked deal with a con artist in a get-rich-quick scheme. They all went to jail. The strikes? <laughs> you could say they struck it rich. Finally, the little envelope had a check from Pat. She did have good insurance on that car. The check covered the cost of the trip. The notation said, Expert Consultation Services. Hmm. Expert Consultation Services. (laughs) Better than chasing raccoons. Thank you for listening to Seamus. 
If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. This has been Seamus, The Case of the Oily Preacher, Part 6, Who's Bitey Now? Based on the pulp fiction story Nick Carter Strikes Oil. Hunter James was played by Patrick Brancato. Patsy Danube was played by Marsha Hinton. Bet Strike was played by Kathy Slack. Alan Strike was played by Thomas Thompson. Officer Mailer was played by Marsha Hinton. Jack Macon was played by David Doyon. Glenn Stott was played by Tom Hinton. Wings was played by Michael Rowe. I'm Leslie Woodroff. This episode of Seamus was written by Raven Wisdom and directed by Gene Phillips. Sound design for Seamus is provided by OpenMicRecordingStudio.com. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.